Hey, welcome to the Sober Vibes podcast. I am your host and sober pal, Courtney Anderson. You are listening to episode 115. Today, we have an awesome guest. Laura Corsette is on today. And what we talk about is acceptance. This was a great conversation. Laura is a drug and alcohol counselor in Southern California, and she also works with Soberlink. If you listened in January, it was our sponsor in January, the show sponsor, and is also the sponsor for February. So Laura shares her story with us today about how she got sober back in 2007. She's got a powerful story, and I really just like how she breaks down acceptance because I think that is very hard for many, many, many of us to get and understand. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Make sure to check out all the links in the show note to connect with me, any of my free resources, and or if you want to take the step further and work with me as your sober coach. Make sure to check out Soberlink, our sponsor. That link is also in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Remember, as always, stay healthy and keep on trucking. Hey, Laura, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am excited to talk to you today for a couple of reasons, but because of the topic we are going to talk about, acceptance, that's I'm excited for because I think a lot more people need to hear about acceptance of when you know you have a problem and when you have to accept the fact that you have a problem with alcohol because that's very hard for people. But first, why don't you tell us when you got sober and in, in your story? Sure. My sobriety date is April 8th, 2007. So I'm coming up on my sweet 16, I think, right? 16. Yeah. It, I didn't get sober until I was 35 years old. So I had a long time, many years of trying to convince myself that the life I was living and how I was living it was sustainable to the point where, you know, you, the term accepting lower companionship. I was accepting lower and lower standards of life to the point where I was homeless in Denver, Colorado, and freezing cold, and just, it it wasn't pretty. But I started out, like most everybody, experimenting with some weed and alcohol in high school, and then things progressed as I got to college, and basically didn't say no to whatever was put in front of me. And then I got this idea in my mind that I wanted to try everything. And I was able to maintain, actually get my bachelor's degree and continue on. And then in my late 20s, I started to see my peers and my friends getting careers, getting married, buying homes back when homes were affordable, (laughs) doing all these milestones in life. And I was continuing to just, I called it partying, was partying for a while and then it was just surviving. But that's my late 20s is when I started to really notice that life was passing me by a little bit and I was choosing to continue to put substances in my body. 
And then my early 30s to mid 30s is when the wheels really started to fall off and I had started experiencing severe consequences, such as you know, losses of really great jobs, losses of relationships There's in my family, health consequences, basically the whole wagon wheel of what makes a life functional. All those things started falling apart and falling away. And then what the ending to it all, I guess, was I got severely injured in a bad fall while I was out there homeless in Denver, ended up in the ER. And that's when a social worker approached me because my family had been done with me for many years and said, we can, your family has reached out. They're willing to send you to treatment or you can return to the streets. And it was that big moment, April of 07, where I had to make that decision. And thank God I made the decision to accept treatment. And I came out here to Southern California to a women's treatment center in Orange County called New Directions for Women. I had an amazing experience there for 90 days that I did 90 days of sober living with an outpatient program and then a monitoring program for a year and a half after that. So I had a really long tapered down continuum of care and very grateful and very happy to say that it's been a great life ever since. Congratulations. Thank this you. is what I would like to know. Before April happened, how long were you homeless for? I was for about six months. What okay. had happened was the fall prior to that. I mean, I was skipping around places, couches, and really gross motels on the outskirts of mm -hmm. Denver. And then, and then I had an intervention that put me in a 30-day program. But that 30-day program, I was just counting down the days, and I had no intention of staying sober whatsoever. And then on my 29th day, they asked me to leave because I was disruptive to the community. They picked up on my attitude and they asked me to leave. And then that just set me off in a tailspin with anger that I was using at them, using at that, that being kicked out. And yeah, things got dramatically worse. And when they say you have, you're sober for a little bit and then you go back out and things get worse, it got dramatically worse very quickly. Because at that point, even people that I knew that were tolerating my company and my presence, they knew that I was in bad shape and they severed ties with me. So that last six months, it was about September to April. It was very lonely and very sad time, mm -hmm. very Were dark time in my life. Because Denver has a high population of homeless. It's nothing compared to Southern California, but the population mm -hmm. there is high. My sister used to live in Denver. So mm -hmm. so what, though, the second time, because as you stated, the first time in that 30-day, you weren't ready to get sober. Right. What was it then about the second time that you were, that your family got you help and you were put into the treatment, the 90-day rehab? What was the difference there? I consider myself very lucky. I injured myself. I got a big cut on my leg and I almost bled to death. Okay. And luckily I got injured so severely that I was out for the count. I mean, for me to go back out being bandaged and really in bad shape, I was really in no condition. And I somehow in the insanity of addiction, somehow realized that Maybe I wasn't, my body wasn't up for the fight anymore that I should surrender and accept mm -hmm. the help. So I'm very grateful. I made a full recovery from that injury. It took months, but I'm very grateful that I did get hurt because if I hadn't, I probably would have held on a lot longer out on the streets. 
Do you think that was the universe or God or whoever your higher power is? Do you think that because we all have that moment, we all have that moment where Mm -hmm. it's just, okay, this is enough. I had it with my cat. And do you think that you getting hurt was that moment? I do. do. I'm very grateful. As as traumatic as it was when it happened and as gory and horrific and all of those things, I'm so grateful that it happened because I needed some kind of divine intervention, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, to wake me up to it's time to make a change. Yeah. So with what we're going to chat about with acceptance, you said acceptance is key. How is acceptance key? Because that I think is the struggle a lot of people have to finally just be like, I just, I can't do this anymore. This is the way that it has to be. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I started once I got into my first couple weeks in treatment and I I had a roof over my head, warm bed and meals and companionship with other women in the treatment program, I started to see why I was fighting so hard to hold on to a life that was so miserable Mm. when I didn't even have the basics. I didn't even have a roof or a meal every day. I was 40 pounds less than what I weigh now. It's just skin and bones. And so I love acceptance because in the readings about acceptance is just coming to terms with not lying to yourself anymore just looking in the mirror and seeing that face looking back at you and coming to terms with the reality that your life is or was and being ready to make a change. And the acceptance carries through even today, like little frustrations can happen in life and you can just inhale and exhale and just, you don't need to take things as personally. You don't need to let things ruin your day. You just, just accept it and move on. And it's really helped me embrace a more peaceful outlook on life. Right. When in your time in treatment, cause I'm going to guess it did not happen right away. When, and you said you had about like a year, did you say about a year, like it was 90 days in, in, in rehab, and then it was tapered and then sober living where along that time frame did acceptance finally click for you? That's funny that you asked that I had that a moment. I remember specifically it was day 55 because you know, when you're in early days, you count every single day Mm -hmm. and you're excited to wake up in the morning and realize it's a whole new day. You get to count. It was day 55. We were just getting out of a meeting and I just felt this thing come over me where I realized that I am ready to embrace this new life. And I know a lot of people think when you're in very early recovery, it's too soon to tell that you're, you've made the the lifelong commitment. But I just had that moment where I realized that I was turning a corner and I was now accepting recovery into my life and, and it was going to be okay. It was going to be more than okay. And I was ready to leave the past behind. Yeah. Do you think then too? Moving on past day 55. I love that day. <laughs> I wrote my parents a letter that day. So I re- really remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. So do you think then because you've been in recovery for 16 years or however you identify with it now, it's just part of living, I'm going to guess with you. Do you think that you've had to continue to accept 
as the process has continued, because it's a process, because year one is a lot different than year five. Each year is different because I had this happen to me twice. And it was in the first 90 days. My husband and I went out on a Friday night. We sat on a park bench. I had coffee and I was like, oh, this is what people do. I would be out getting hammered right now. But in that moment, it was like something came over me too, where it was like, okay, I can do this. I'm fine sitting on a park bench, drinking coffee, people watching. And then I think in about year three, there was a quote I just shared. And it, it I read that quote and I was like, there was another clicking. So sometimes I think it's click and mm-hmm. then it really unlocks. But for me, it just took those two different times. So do you think that has happened to you as well? Yeah. I mean, I love the whole expression of playing the tape all the way through. That's really helped me with acceptance because I can call upon moments in my recovery where I find myself assessing, like you just toy with the idea of what it might be like to have a cocktail or something. You know, I remember specifically it was a July 4th parade down on the beach nearby. And I was with some friends who we call normies. I don't know if that's nationwide how they're called but good friends of mine and i saw like nine or ten in the morning these people in front of their beach houses having drinks already mm-hmm. it just looked fun and then i missed i missed that and i mentioned it to one of my friends and he's yeah but it's 10 a.m now by one o'clock they're going to be miserable exhausted useless for the rest of the day and he is a normal drinker doesn't have an issue and so there's been moments like that where it's a really great to vocalize and not keep it in talk about it but moments like that along along over the years where i've you play the tape through and picture yourself if you were to follow through on that urge or whatnot any that it's it's just a thought it's not something that you need to act on if you do play the tape all the way through you realize it's not as glamorous or as fun as you may picture it to be at first thought Oh, for sure. And I think it's very normal to have that thought when you are hanging out with the normies, honestly, Mm -hmm. or if you're just in an, or if it's just a cat, if you're just going out to eat and you're going out to eat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's those types of quote unquote normal situations when you are in it, you're like, can I handle, can I just Mm -hmm. be normal and have a glass of wine or whatever? Mm -hmm. The answer is always fuck no. You can't. Right, Right. I mean, would if you want to continue down that rabbit hole and right. and start back where start back at day one, but it is you do really have to play that tape forward to remember. Yeah. That's why do you believe on I think there's a difference from like holding on to it, but this is something that I always did where I allowed myself every Saturday Sunday to a meditation remember where alcohol took me. And I did that practice for a very long time because I didn't want to get so far away from it. And I guess my question is for you, is that a healthy tool to do as you are a alcohol and drug counselor? Is that a healthy thing to do? Because some people would, because it's so easy for us to forget, right? Or sweep it under the rug. I don't want to remember that because that it was too much. But then at what point are you going to, people completely forget what happened to them? I, for me, I've, I'm always reminded 
just seeing homeless people on the street. Mm-hmm. You see the the woman with the backpack and a dog. I mean, that was me. And I look at those people that are, I think that the term now is unhoused. Okay. <laughs> I think there's a new term. Yeah. If you just said out here in California. I have a lot of compassion and empathy for those people. A lot of that, there's... They have struggles. It's not always by choice. But those seeing those people always reminds me of where my using took me. So it's unavoidable for me. I'm always reminded of where I came from. But like everybody, it didn't start out that way. So I'm still able to gently recall when it was still fun, but that's, I'm very aware that's where it took me and that's not where it takes everybody. There's lots of people that can have a glass of wine and stay functioning in their life. And that was not me. So I like to keep close to my heart and mind where it took me. Yeah. Even 15 years later. Have you gone back to Denver since leaving? Yeah. My sister lives there. So my sister, my nephews, yeah. So I'm there a couple times a year. When you went back the first time, did you have some anxiety going back or you were, yes. Oh, quite a few times for the first few years. I wouldn't, when riding in the car, I would just turn to my nephews. I wouldn't look out the windows. I didn't want to see anything. And then when we're in her home, I was fine, but going, driving along the streets, I didn't want to look. So I would just turn inward in the car. It's funny that you bring that up because yeah, that was tough for me. I mean, you could, you're right. And physical reaction landing there, you have some body memory and I'm sure you've had, you could probably have a little bit of PTSD of throughout, throughout those days. Denver's the wild west. I really do. Denver, it's a beautiful city, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a town. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So what would be one tip that you could share to help someone with acceptance, that there is a problem and or that this is just life now of that you are in the sober life. Someone to accept their new life in early recovery. Oh, what really helped me a lot in early recovery was getting ready in the morning, brushing my teeth or brushing my hair. The person in the mirror wasn't a liar or a thief that person was building trust with people. Like I liked the person that I was seeing in early recovery and still today. Back when I was using and in my addictions, I knew when I saw myself in the mirror that I was a shady character. And I knew that. And I would, and I think we all know we can't really lie to ourselves when we're looking in the mirror. We see ourselves. And once I, I remember having that change in early recovery where I realized the person I'm looking at isn't person that I wouldn't recommend hanging out with. She, she was honest. She was building friendships with people based on just getting along with each other. It wasn't what they could do for me or what I could do for them type of transactional relationships that you have with people when you're using the fact that I wasn't stealing from people or stealing from places, all those behaviors that accompanied my old lifestyle or my old life. I wasn't doing those anymore. And I was like a wholesome, honest, productive member of society or beginning to be a productive member of society. And I really liked that. So that was one of the things that I really enjoyed when I first got sober and I still to this day and that I recommend people in early recovery do the same when they look in the mirror and they know they're they've been on the right track. 
to go ahead and love that person that you see in the mirror. They're not hurting other people and they're no longer hurting themselves. Hey, I would love to share with you something that I think could work great for you. Imagine you just got sober. You're working your program, checking in with a recovery sober coach, checking in with your sponsor, maintaining your employment and thriving. Now imagine none of your closest friends or family believe you. This is why I'm sharing this because early on in my sobriety, there was a couple of times Matt didn't believe that I was sober. So much trust is lost during active addiction and it can be hard to convince loved ones that things are different, that you're different. This is where Soberlink can help. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help you sustain a sober lifestyle while rebuilding trust with loved ones. Small enough to fit in your purse or pocket and discreet enough to use in public. Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection, and real-time results. So friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. As a sober coach, I really can't think of a better tool to maintain accountability, strengthen community, improve sobriety to loved ones. Now, you might be thinking like, do I really need this? And honestly, it's different for everybody. I know quite a few people who have had to use this or something like this to prove to their spouses and or family members that they are sober. This does not just affect the person who is the drinker. I mean, a lot of damage happens during your active addiction and accountability needs to take place. And with this tool, you can show that. Let's make 2023 a memorable one. Please visit www.soberlink.com forward slash sober dash vibes to sign up and receive $50 off your device. The link is in the show notes. Check it out. If you do get this device, please feel free to reach out and let me know how it has helped you in your sober journey. It really is, a, if you choose to do it, it is a 180 because of what you just said of treating people transactional. And I had lived that way in my active addiction. And it really is, you do a 180. And even just telling the truth and not lying anymore, just yeah. simple lies. And right. and going back to you saying being a productive member of society, and that, that was the thing. And that night that I sat on that park bench and drank coffee... That's how I felt, even mm -hmm. just paying a bill and just not being a POS on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis yes. of like what I can get from people and what's this day going to bring to me. So it really is that process because I know that the women listening to this are going to want to know. How then did you overcome the shame that was still attached from your active addiction. How did you overcome that? that? I think we all carry a little bit of that for a very long time. The whole concept of living amends, of starting a new life when the causing, causing pain and causing hurt has a stopping point, whether that's to other people or to yourself, there's a stopping point. You get into recovery. So you start, so that, that big ball on the horizon of your shame and guilt, it starts to become farther and farther away. The dot, the ball becomes a smaller and smaller dot. That's the way I picture it. The more you get away from causing new damage and new wreckage, but definitely 
forgive yourself. Absolutely. And one thing that really helped me, I was lucky enough to connect with a sponsor who taught me early on that absolutely nothing I say will be the first time anyone's heard it. And so I found an amazing women's meeting. And once I started getting comfortable sharing, which is like the first hurdle, once I started getting comfortable doing that, I realized that a lot of my deepest shame and guilt and actions that things that I may have done I wasn't the only one on the planet that has ever done something like that. So by being open and sharing honestly about the the things that I was carrying on my back, realizing that I'm not the most horrible person in the world. Other people have done this too. We can all we can all move on from that and by like I said having that stopping point of not creating any more new wreckage, make that burden smaller over time. Yeah. Agree with that 100%. When you start living that sober life, it's just the process of time and forgiveness and that you're you're not acting like you were if you choose to in your active addiction. So yes. So yes. Thank you for sharing with that. Also too, because we, with our time conflict, I was supposed to have you on the show in January and in January, Soberlink sponsored the Sober Vibes podcast. So you work for Soberlink. Yes, I do. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Soberlink? Because it is a wonderful product. It is. Soberlink is a hand alcohol breathalyzer. It's portable, rechargeable. It is enabled with a digital camera. So every time you submit a test, the device takes your picture and then sends results to your support team in real time, whether or not that are that support team are clinicians and counselors, therapists, anything like that, or their family members or loved ones, sometimes their employers, however you want to use the device. It's a great tool to demonstrate accountability and rebuild trust within the circle of people that are invested in your well-being and in your recovery. So the device, you can set your own schedule. We don't really support random testing. That seems to increase people's anxiety. And the tool isn't designed to like catch you. It's designed to support. So you have a schedule that you know that that you'll be testing for. So say you're wake up a midday and a bedtime. So then 15 minutes prior to that test window, you get a text message sends you a text saying your test window is about to open. You simply power on the device, submit a test, and then the results get sent out about a minute later. And then and then the people that are notified are able to start seeing all this data come in. And instead of you being tired one day or instead of you being looked at a little bit more closely because you were 10 minutes late arriving somewhere, these uh, the people that are receiving your results already have the data that you submitted a compliant breathalyzer test, so they don't need to start having thoughts in their mind that you might be drinking or something's amiss because you're already providing that data. So it reduces the those icky moments where people might be skeptical of your sobriety because you're providing that data, and then you're able to feel empowered because day after day and test after test, you are building this test record of compliant breathalyzer tests. So you are able to demonstrate to yourself that you are accountable, and then also demonstrate to others that you are accountable. So it does a lot of the heavy lifting when you are trying to rebuild relationships in your life. Which I think is genius. Like, honestly, because 
there's a lot of damage that is done as you are the person, the addict, the alcoholic, the person on the alcohol abuse spectrum, however you want to identify. You are the one who had the problem and there is accountability to be had. And I love it too mm-hmm. with employers. Mm-hmm. The thing was with this is after learning about it, do you guys do this? Does Soberlink in, in the court systems? We are with family court. So okay. with child custody, if there's a separation or a divorce, if one of the spouses isn't comfortable with the other one watching the kids, unless there, unless there's a way that they can demonstrate that they're going to be sober while they have the kids, then this is a perfect tool for that. Often that does come up in divorce and separation proceedings. People will be concerned that if their kids are with the other parent, that they might not be safe mm-hmm. as a way that the parent, whether or not they're in recovery or just need to give assurances that they won't drink while they're watching the kid. This is a great tool for that. We are not involved in the criminal law sector. Our device is used. The hardware is used in the criminal law sector for DUIs through a separate company. We stick to civil law, family law, workplace compliance, and then addiction recovery. Yeah, because I like to how you said, I just know this again, and I'm not telling her business. But she's on the podcast every third episode. My sister and I do a living on the edge about us, and she's in recovery too. But there was how she had a use of blow in her car, but how you yeah. said it too of like where you have to go to the, it's called jams in Michigan. I'm not too sure where you have to go randomly blow, but you said that where you're like, this isn't supposed to give you anxiety. It's more about port and or punish you. Because that is with court system, it's yeah. about punishment, right? So yeah, so I just wondered that if you guys were in the court system, because it's a great, it's fantastic. And I just think that people should use this. There was a time too in my early, those first early sobriety, I had come home and it was like past 11. I went out to eat with girlfriends and I was so tired because I got myself on waking up at 5 a.m. Like I was just very tired. And Matt, my husband was like, what's wrong with you? You're acting weird. And I was like, have you been drinking? I was like, are you kidding me? I'm exhausted. I get up at 5 a.m. now when that's when I used to go to bed. But it pissed me off that night that he questioned that. But it is true because when you're tired like that, you can start acting goofy. And I remember, too, I lost my balance. I was trying to get out of my pants and I like lost my balance. And then that's when he said that to me. So I wish I had this back then because I would have blown blown into that and said, here. (laughs) I know firsthand because when I finished with my sober living program and I was moving into an apartment with a girl from my rehab, my family, of course, it was at this point 180 days. They still, there was zero trust. Absolutely zero trust. And Soberlink wasn't invented yet. This was in 07. I ended up doing a monitoring program with urine drug screens. So this, and this was randomized, but for a year and a half, I went to a local lab and gave a urine sample once a week at random. And that those test results were then sent to my family. And there was a moment, a, a page turn where when I would call home, because everyone's out of state from where I live now, I would call home and there's that moment. And I know anyone listening can understand this, where people, when your loved ones answer the phone and there's that hesitation, that fear and anxiety, because they don't know what you're about to say when you're calling because you're in your 
illness. And there was a moment when after months of them getting clean test results, where they pick up the phone and they're like, oh, hello, hi, because that their anxiety had diminished yeah. so, so much. And it wasn't me convincing them that I was clean. It was the test results demonstrating that there was nothing in my system. It was really great to have the test results, much like Soberlin can do now, do the talking for me because my word was garbage. Like they they couldn't trust anything that I had to say. Yeah. So it was nice that I could hear in their voice the change that happened after a couple months of demonstrating my accountability that they, I could hear that their quality of life was starting to improve because they were able to let go of some of the fear and anxiety over me, like but the impact I was having on their life. They were able to start enjoying their own lives again. Yeah. And that too, it, when you have to prove yourself, cause you mm-hmm. do, there's a state at some point like that night where he thought I had been drinking. It gets exhausting. It gets exhausting some days because it, there's a lot. There's a lot to mm-hmm. your body's tired already. Like you m- mentally showing up, you're living a complete 180 of what you were living in your active yeah. addiction. And that really is when people don't believe you, it really could send someone just to say, fuck it. Like I, Absolutely. I've, I've lived this life for six months and people still don't believe me. Not saying, I mean, Yes, there's fault on the other person or the person who was using because you do a lot of hard work. But I just know how frustrating it can be of having to prove yourself because of that exhaustion and trying every day and showing up and it's extremely uncomfortable and living in a society that's soaked with drugs and alcohol. That's the culture. Uh, There's just so much. So I'm very thankful that there's a product like this out on the market that people can get because then to just be like, here, case closed, we'll do this again tomorrow. But it takes out that level of being defeated. Absolutely. So that that's yeah. what I really like about. And it's real time. With my drug test results, they probably took four or five days to, to get processed and sent out. This is within a minute. Those yeah. results go out. Right. Which is so amazing. It's, yeah, it's great. And how long have you been working with, with Soberlink? Soberlink, a little over a year, but I used to work for a treatment provider that we had a monitoring program and I used the Soberlink device with my clients and that was since 2015. Mm-hmm. So I was very familiar for many years using Soberlink with my clients at my old job. I was with that company for about six years and then in 2021 was thinking, oh, it'd be time for a little pivot career and try something new. And I really always enjoyed working with the team here. And I loved the product. I saw firsthand. I worked with so many clients and their families and hearing the family's feedback over how relieved they felt and how this link improved the relationships with their loved one who was in recovery that I thought, why not get one step closer to the technology. And so then I came on board with Soberlink officially in September of 21, October of 21, and just learning so much more about the product and the technology since then. So yeah, so with Soberlink, year and a half or so working with Soberlink since 2015. 
Love it. Love it. I will put the link in the show notes where you can still receive $50 off your device. And I would strongly look into it for anybody who is struggling with with family or even to with just yourself and you want to hold yourself accountable. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have plenty of clients that do that too. Yeah. So it's a wonderful device and the people over at Soberlink are great. Very friendly. You guys are. (laughs) It's actually a really lovely environment here. It's a real gets along really well. There's a lot of laughter here. It's a really cohesive team. Are the team is there a lot of people who are in recovery on on the team? If there are, there's like a little bubble of us that are nice. like in recovery and we're obviously very close. Mm-hmm. And most everyone else, and I'm sure your listeners can agree, if they're not in recovery, they have a family member or a clo- someone close to them that is in recovery. Yeah, because what so, isn't it like one in three, one in three people? Isn't oh, that the gosh. stats we're at now in 2023? I think it is. I'm surprised it's even that small. I would think everybody would know someone at this point, but maybe yeah. it used to be such a secret thing. I'm so glad that recovery is getting so much more exposure and it's become so much more embraced in the culture. Um, so people aren't, families aren't suffering in silence and people struggling firsthand are able to reach out and not feel as much of a stigma as they did maybe years ago. That's it's, why too. That's why I had to live out loud. I had to do the yeah, complete, I, I, had, I had to do the complete opposite of what I was doing in my active addiction. Yeah. Is it was it was freeing to me because I'm like, what? There's no shame in this. Right. I'm there's doing something positive about my recovery. And there's <laughs> really there's sure. not. But I respect yeah. other people who still want to be anonymous. I Absolutely. respect the game. Laura, thank you so much. Where can, if somebody wants to reach out to you from this episode, where can they find you? At my email, I don't know if you want to put it sure. uh, on the podcast or you're more than welcome to, but it's lcrossit at soberlink.com. So that's L-C-R-O-E-T-T at soberlink.com or our main line. You can always ask for me, Laura. Happy to talk to people. I ended up sometimes taking calls and I'm on the phone with someone talking about recovery for 15, 20 minutes. (laughs) It's one of those fun things that happen. Yeah, it's always great when two people, perfect strangers can just talk about recovery for a while. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I have had a great conversation with you. I will put all the links in the show notes below to reach out to Laura. And as I said, to still get $50 off of the device, that link will be in the show notes as well. Thank you, Laura, so much for the chat. And it was nice connecting with you today. Yeah, likewise. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. 